We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. It is Thursday, January 19th, coming to you live from beautiful Long Beach, California on a, a sunny day. Been a little bit cold lately uh, and uh, kind of gotten some crazy rain as uh, a lot of folks on the West Coast, uh, particularly if you're in California, you know about. Uh, yeah, man, just a, a good day. Got my uh, got my cup of coffee here. I got my uh, pumpkin candle still burning, pumpkin bread to be specific. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely someone who likes to hang on to the fall season, um, but the vibes are strong is what I'm saying. So, on today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, let's get right into it. We're going to be talking about the new Oregon football schedule for the 2023 season. It was released on Wednesday, so we've had a little bit of time to kind of let it simmer and uh, sink in and, and ponder some of our thoughts, maybe some of the best games that Oregon has on their schedule, uh, talk about where the buy falls uh, on the schedule, and so much more. Uh, if you guys are here on YouTube, we're live on YouTube and Twitter on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus is where you can find us. Make sure to drop a like, leave us a comment in the live chat and subscribe to the channel. And then we're also live on Twitter at MTaurus Sports, trying to find as many ways as we can to get you guys your Oregon Ducks content that you uh, that you, you know, love. So. Uh, let's kind of dive into some of the games on the schedule. Uh, kind of going to go game by game a little bit and uh, try to just give you guys some of my early thoughts. Um, you know, a lot can happen. A lot is going to happen between now and the start of the 2023 season. The transfer portal, the first transfer portal window, I believe, just closed uh, at the end of Wednesday. Uh, and we got some some news this morning with Oregon wide receiver Isaiah Crocker entering the transfer portal. Caleb Chapman, also a recent entrant at wide receiver who came over from Texas A&M, but didn't really have much of a role at Oregon during 2022. And then Isaiah Brevard is another guy that entered the portal for Oregon recently. So we're seeing some shift there at the wide receiver position. But let's get back to the schedule and break down some of the biggest games uh, on Oregon's schedule, starting off with September 2nd, Oregon's home opener will be against Portland State uh, in 
Eugene at Autzen Stadium. So Portland State, not that big of a game, not something that's going to draw a lot of attention. Certainly a much easier game for Oregon than a year ago when they opened against the now back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs on the road in Atlanta. So obviously you figure that Oregon's going to be much more comfortable at home in Eugene. But opening the season with Portland State kind of raises an interesting question, and I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts on this either in the live chat or in the comments and it really just comes down to scheduling if if you were a head coach would you want to start your season with kind of a cupcake game like portland state a game that you know you can win kind of get guys up to speed get them comfortable or do you play in like georgia an sec team a big 10 team or a Big 12 team, which Oregon has on the schedule this upcoming season. I say you go and swing for the the heavy hitters, right? Go for the biggest names in the sport because that is ultimately the standard. Right? I mean, you want to get a win to start the season, and I think that Oregon has a, a lot of uh, you know realistic wins to to come in their non-conference schedule. But it almost feels like you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not scheduling the best. In the sport, uh, obviously, Oregon, you know, got their butts handed to them by Georgia, but it was also kind of a wake up call, if you will, for some of the players or for the staff. Maybe I shouldn't say a wake up call for the staff, but just everybody in that program, that program knows the standard that they're chasing, how far they have to go to get to that level of dominance. And I think just another thing that bears repeating, there's a big difference between making the playoffs and then winning a playoff game. Because we know that if you win a playoff game, you're going to find yourself in the national title, at least with the current structure. We know that the playoff is expanding in the coming years. But that's been the way things have gone for uh, quite some time now. So I'm a proponent of scheduling really difficult uh, opponents to start the year. I think that uh, you know there's only good things that can come from it as far as just challenging your players, challenging your coaches. And it's also a, a, you know, an attractive opportunity for fans to either travel across the country to go follow Oregon or, you know, the opposing team comes out to Eugene. Um, I know that it's awesome to have games that are on campus at those schools uh, rather than, you know, neutral site games. But I just wanted to bring that point up to start off the episode because I think that uh, Oregon's definitely uh, got some interesting games in the coming years. So Portland State, that one should be a win at home in Eugene. Should be a, a decent crowd, obviously, with the Vikings not being too far away from Eugene. But uh, things kind of get interesting. The, best, the most intriguing game in the non-conference schedule for Oregon comes the following week when the Ducks hit the road on September 9th to travel to the Lone Star State. They're going to be going to Lubbock, Texas, to face the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders – have a familiar name leading their team because that's former Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck, who is going to be coming back for another season. Um, let's take a look at the Red Raiders. They went eight and five overall last year, five and four in Big 12 play. Um, they were able to get a win over Texas. That was a big win. Uh, let's see, they dropped 37-28 to 28 to Kansas State, which is one of the best teams in the Big 12. I want to say that they won the Big 12 title. Someone can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, lost to Oklahoma State, lost to Baylor. 
lost to ECU. So, I mean, Big 12 is, you know, a really respectable conference, I think. They lost to Oklahoma on uh, November 20th. Oklahoma, excuse me, 51-48 in a shootout game to end the regular season. And then they wrapped the season up with a 42-25 win over Ole Miss in the Tax Act Texas Bowl in Houston. So, Texas Tech is is the the biggest opponent for Oregon on their non conference schedule. That's not that's not uh, too hard to to gather, you know, to deduce. But I think that it'll give Oregon a good test, especially with their secondary. Their secondary is is obviously, you know, I think one of those groups that is kind of under the microscope right now. With Christian Gonzalez heading to the twenty twenty three NFL draft, the Ducks did go to the transfer portal to get Kyrie Jackson, Alabama transfer cornerback. And they have some pieces that look like they're going to be coming back. I haven't really gotten an uh, official announcement on some guys. I feel like in the era of the transfer portal, um, you kind of have to kind of guess if guys are coming back to a certain degree, depending on their uh, eligibility. Uh, but looking at that corner spot, we got Harry Jackson, Triquez Bridges, Dante Manning. Julio Florence played a decent amount as a true freshman from the 2022 signing class. Will Tucker, um, Avante Dickerson, Darren Barkins. Look, just kind of going through that room. And then you have Cole Martin, who recently enrolled at Oregon from the 2023 recruiting class, uh, as well as Colin Gill. He's a corner that you got in 2023. And Jalen Austin, the Long Beach cornerback, uh, looks like he's going to try to enroll for spring ball is kind of the latest whispers that I'm hearing right now. So I think Oregon's corners are going to be in for a – a good test with a, a, a team like Texas Tech that has historically been known to really like passing the football. And um, looking a little bit further back at the safeties, uh, there were some reports from James Crepia that Jamal Hill and Steve Stevens will be coming back for 2023, which is some big news for Oregon after they lose their lead tackler, Bennett Williams, in secondary uh, from a season ago. They did add his brother, Evan Williams the former Fresno State safety via the transfer portal. So they're right up that secondary. Uh, and then they signed a couple of uh, talented guys in 23 with Luigi Cambra and Heather Turner. So all that to say, Oregon's secondary is is a mixed bag of veteran returners and some new additions that are experienced, but also some additions that are less experienced coming from the 2023 recruiting class. And you also have some young guys that are looking to, to carve out a role from that 2022 recruiting class. Trajan Williams, in-state safety from the 2022 class out of Jefferson. Uh, and Angela Tucker, who, who I already mentioned. So should be interesting. I think this would be a game that uh, Oregon is, is definitely capable of winning. But I could see Texas Tech giving them more trouble than Portland State, of course. And then we move on to the next week, September 16th, when the Hawaii – uh, Rainbow Warriors come to town. I don't know a whole lot about Hawaii, admittedly, but I know that they're usually a team that's been known for having good offenses. Suffice it to say, I think Oregon is more than capable of finishing the non-conference schedule at 3-0. and And then September 23rd is when things get real interesting on an Oregon schedule because September 23rd marks the start of Pac-12 play for the Oregon Ducks. And who do they get to start off conference play? None other than Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes, the Hall of Fame cornerback uh, and new head coach at Boulder. is getting his first taste of Pac-12 play 
with Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks. And uh, that's a revamped roster. Maybe not revamped, but certainly retooled. Jadour Sanders comes over from Jackson State following his dad, Dion, to uh, lead the Colorado offense as their new quarterback. Travis Hunter, one of the biggest names in the transfer portal, uh, kind of a two-way standout, but mainly known, I believe, for his abilities as a defensive back. He transfers from Jackson State to Colorado. And then now, just to kind of zoom out a little bit more on some recruiting, but certainly some buzz with Colorado, Cormani McLean, the number one cornerback in the 2023 recruiting class, currently committed to Miami, but has not signed his national letter of intent. He took a visit to Colorado officially uh, just a little bit ago. And it looks like there is a ton of smoke around Cormani McLean and Colorado. So just think that you could have, you know, I think the, the story is two is back-to-back number one cornerbacks consistent classes, right? 2022 for Travis Hunter and then 2023 for Cormani McLean. They could be lining up for Deion Sanders to go against Oregon's wide receiving core, which features Franklin, Chris Hudson. I think that Jurion Dickens again time right from the jump for the 2023 recruiting class that he gets to Oregon. Uh, Ashton Cozart, Treshawn Holden, the Alabama wide receiver transfer, uh, and then we also have Pez Johnson, who's a new addition in that room. So I think that Colorado is going to look better in 2023. Uh, there's only you can only go up after battling the difficulties that Colorado has under Carl Durrell before Deion Sanders takes over. But I still think this is a game that Oregon can win. Uh, but it's certainly going to be one that draws a lot of attention and should be an awesome atmosphere out in Eugene at Autzen Stadium. Then we head to the next week, week five in the schedule. You've got September 30th. The Ducks hit the road, go to the farm, and play the Stanford Cardinal, who are in a transition period as well, just like Colorado. Stanford Cardinal head coach David Shaw resigning after the 2022 season, one of the best head coaches in Cardinal program history. And now Troy Taylor takes over at head coach, coming over from Sacramento State. I think that the rebuild for Stanford is one that is really interesting because when the whole NIL era of recruiting and college athletics started, I thought that Stanford was a school that was uniquely positioned to benefit from all of this, right? You know, what do they call Stanford? They call it, you know, the Harvard of the of the West Coast. You know, obviously very, very uh, renowned academics, a ton of really distinguished alumni. But at the same time, you have all these opportunities for for networking and, and, you know, look at all the money that these Stanford grads are making. But at the same time, they do also have some pretty rigid uh, academic requirements, which can make it harder to to get players into your school, to get recruited to school. But they're starting to build momentum in that regard, I think. Um, I know they, they signed a player out of my neck of the woods, John Bosco, quarterback, John Fausto Ramos. He was a standout for the national champion Braves all throughout the 2022 campaign. But the interesting thing with Stanford is that they just recently started enrolling early uh, as far as their recruits. That was something with all the academic requirements that that was a hurdle that that Stanford, excuse me, had to deal with, uh, has had to deal with for quite some time. So maybe things are getting a little bit easier uh, from that standpoint for the Stanford Cardinal. But all that to say, I think that it's going to be a difficult year for Stanford once again. But you never know. This is a road game. I think that Oregon showed they can travel a lot better last year than they had maybe under Mario Cristobal. But Stanford is always one of those schools that can kind of be a thorn in Oregon's side or anybody's side. 
you know, it was a pretty rough year last year for the Cardinal, and, and Morgan was able to take care of business. But when the teams meet, I think it's going to be interesting, and nothing is off the table. All right, and then October 7th, the next, the following week, Oregon gets their bye week. Um, what do you guys think about this bye week? Kind of my gut reaction right away off the top is that this is a really early bye week. Oregon's bye week was kind of more in the middle of the season towards the back half of the season. The last year, I want to say, uh, they had their bye. Let's take a look here. When did they have their bye? Between uh, Washington State and Stanford. So it, I guess. Wait, no. Was it? I wish they just had a little section so you didn't have to reduce it as much. It was between Arizona and UCLA, so that was definitely more the middle of the season. So this bye week for Oregon in 2023 does feel like it is notably earlier, but all you can do is play the games in front of you and uh, work with your schedule the best that you can. So this is an interesting one because Oregon's bye week comes before their next game against Washington, and Washington also gets a bye week before that game, which uh, I think sets up for some really interesting, you know, rivalry fireworks between Oregon and Washington. Uh, Going to take a really quick break. Just comments. Let me know how you guys are doing in the chat. Um, Christopher says, what's up, Max? I'm drinking a Snapple Apple in your honor. Max, who do you think will be the freshman D lineman with the best stats and performance? And first of all, Chris, I got to say shout out to you for drinking this apple. Um, I haven't had one in quite a bit, so maybe I need to get myself one this week. But uh, I'm glad you're, you're here and here to talk some duck football. So freshman defensive lineman with the best stats and performance. I think for defensive linemen, a lot of people want to start a conversation around Mateo Uyangalele, who comes over from St. John Bosco. Uh, as one of the headliners of Dan Lane's 2023 recruiting class. And I do think that he is going to be uh, a star at Oregon um, for sure, especially once he you know, gets in the weight room now that he's already enrolled. He's out in Hawaii right now for the Polynesian Bowl, but gets coached up by Tosh Lapoy and, and Dan Lanning. I think that there's definitely a, a lot of potential for a special college career uh, with Mateo Uyangalele. But another guy that I think I'm – have so many talented guys in this class at defensive line. This is the best defensive line haul that Oregon's had in quite some time, probably since DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead in the early 2010s. But Johnny Bowens is a guy who flashed a lot when I saw him in San Antonio at the Adidas All-American Bowl. Uh, you also have Michael Gardner out of Arizona, Liberty Peoria, or Peoria Liberty, excuse me. Um, 6'2", 275 pounds, and you also have Amari Washington. I think Amari Washington is one of the best-looking defensive line prospects just in terms of his outlook that Oregon has in this class. Six foot four, 295 pounds. I was able to meet with his head coach when I was out in Texas to learn a little bit more about Amari, and he was just kind of saying, you know, you don't find guys like him out on the West Coast. Uh, just had an absolutely monster season for Chandler and Route 2. Um, you know, a really, really strong campaign. But he's just got a really good blend of size and speed. Um, you know, his coach, I guess, is a little biased, but he was saying that he should be out here when we were out in uh, San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. He should be an All-American guy. Uh, but that was a huge addition for Oregon's class. And then you also have uh, Terrence Green out of Texas, 6'5", 205 pounds, uh, committed to Oregon, signed with the Ducks. 
And then you also have Ashton Porter, who's another defensive lineman, a later addition, the most recent addition along the defensive line uh, from the prep ranks, that is. So I think that Mateo Uyunglele is the is the easy answer uh, from the 2023, you know, freshman lineman. But I think I'm excited to see what um, what Amari Washington can do. I think he's kind of the guy that I'm going to pencil in right now to have a breakout year as a freshman as we learn more about these guys and see what happens in spring ball. And they can't go without mentioning to get up on a 6-3 out of Layton, Utah. He's already enrolled at well, as well. And then you have some other guys, the edge rushers. So those were kind of more interior guys that I was looking at. Jaden Moore, uh, you got Tatum, who – has really refined his craft throughout his high school career. And I think he saw his stock rise quite a bit as a senior in the high school ranks. Blake Purchase, who Oregon had to hold off a, a late push from Colorado and Deion Sanders for, who we just talked about. I think he's someone who has a tremendous amount of upside. So I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going to go with Blake Purchase, Mateo Uyunglele, and Amari Washington. I know you asked for one, but it's a really good class, and I'm excited to see what happens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right. We got Mikey G in the chat. Let's go. What's going on, Mikey G? Thanks for being here. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Okay, we got one more comment, and I'll get back to the schedule. Uh, Mikey G says, schedule sets up nicely, in my opinion. I like the separation of tougher slash marquee games. Allows for a little wiggle room with bumps and bruises, and it's hard to stay at 100% three to four games in a row. Yeah, I think uh, I think I like that as well, right? You have Washington, and then you have Wazoo in between there, and you have Utah, and then Cal, and then USC. Arizona State's going to be an interesting one, and then Oregon State to round out the, the regular season as always. But I agree with your point. I'm going to keep going through the schedule and then kind of give some final thoughts and then try to get to some of these comments as well. October 14th is where we're picking up. The Ducks head to Seattle, hit the road to face the Washington Huskies, who had a stellar first year under Caitlin DeBoer, the new head coach out there on Mont, on Mont Lake. And then Michael Penix Jr. coming back to the 2023 season and one of the most gifted quarterbacks, without a doubt, in the Pac-12. 
And thankfully for Oregon fans and this Oregon defense, they have really retooled this roster to aid in the pass rush. We know DJ Johnson has the NFL draft. Brandon Dorless coming back. Casey Rogers coming back. Popo Amavai coming back. Ace Funa coming back. So, so many talented receivers coming, or sorry, so many talented returners coming back for Oregon. And let's not forget Brandon Dorlis. He's one of the biggest additions uh, as far as, you know, guys that they're going to be able to return in 2023. And Jordan Birch comes over from South Carolina. You know, you get that pass rush to kind of harass guys like Michael Penix, opposing quarterbacks. But Michael Penix is a guy that they definitely had a tough time bottling up in Eugene in the 2022 season. Uh, but that's going to be a good one. You know, the, the Ducks lost their last rivalry game to Washington. So there's going to be, a, you know, a lot of hate and a lot of uh, energy trying to get back on top in that rivalry. Um, and you know that Dan Lanning, that game is going to mean a little bit more to him, seeing that the Ducks lost to Oregon State as well uh, in 2022. I think that'll be a close game, but I, I think I could see Oregon winning that one. And then next, the following week, you return back to Eugene, October 21st, to face the Washington State Cougars, who return with Cameron Ward, who transferred over from Incarnate Word before the 2022 season and played a really good game. That was an absolute shootout, instant classic between the Ducks and the Cougs on the Palouse from a season ago. And that was the game that really showed us that this Oregon team was capable of something that previous Oregon teams haven't been capable of, and that's mounting a comeback. I think the Cameron Ward's still a very, very gifted quarterback, but I know that Oregon has more talent on paper in this one. I really haven't seen a whole lot of big additions for Washington State this year. I'm not writing them off, but safe to say, I think that Oregon is going to be able to get that win against the Cougs at home. But we all know that the Cougs are not a team that you can write off, um, and they're, you know, Pac-12 after dark. Kind of feels like a little bit of a trap game. I was watching my guy Ryan Winter's video over there on Sports Chat 503. I think this definitely does kind of feel like a trap game. The Cougs usually are a trap game of sorts for Oregon, seeing that this game is sandwiched right between Washington and Utah, two of the biggest teams on Oregon's schedule kind of year after year now. So I think Washington State is a team that Oregon is capable of beating, but Dan Lane and the Ducks cannot take them lightly, no doubt about it. And then October 28th, you know, kind of getting around Halloween to round out the month of October the Ducks head to Salt Lake City to face the Utah Utes at Rice Eccles Stadium. And I think you'd be hard pressed to say that this hasn't become one of the best rivalry games in the Pac 12. Uh, Utah gets Cameron Rising back for a year. Kyle Whittingham uh, really looks like he has things figured out there. They signed a really strong recruiting class. I'm actually going to take a quick look at Utah's 23 uh, rankings in, uh, the, for recruiting. So the number 26 class. Overall, number 21 composite ranking and the number 42 class in the transfer portal, according to 247 Scoops. There's always a lot of overlap when you're covering West Coast recruiting with Pac-12 schools, and Spencer Fano is one of the headliners of their class for Utah coming out of Tim View High School. I got to see him at the All-American Bowl. He was a standout performer, had a really nice rep against Mateo Uvalele at the Polynesian Bowl. Um, but I think this is a talented class for Kyle Whittingham, and he feels like he's always been a coach that has done more with less. If he and his staff continue recruiting at a high level and just kind of chipping away and getting better year after year, I think that Utah positions themselves to be a really, really dangerous team in the Pac-12, and even more so nationally 
They're back-to-back Pac-12 champions. They almost beat Florida last year in what was one of the best non-conference games of the entire season. But Utah is a dangerous team. And I think that, uh, obviously, the last time that Oregon played Utah, it was with a hobbled Bo Nix, which didn't do them any favors. And I think that if he's healthy, assuming that he's healthy, uh, he should be able to head back to play the Utes. And uh, you figure if you have a healthy Bo Nix, that last year's game isn't nearly as close as it was. But got to give some credit to Oregon's defense from that 2022 win over Utah. That was definitely one of their best performances of the year. Oregon-Utah, always a good game. If you don't bring your A game and you don't come out ready to go, you could be in for a long one. That's another game that I think Oregon can definitely win. That is, without a doubt, one of the toughest games on their schedule. Then you return home for a two-game homestand, another, the second two-game homestand of the year for Oregon, the first being Hawaii and Colorado earlier on. Late November 4th, you get the Cal Golden Bears, uh, who are led by Justin Wilcox, um, head coach over there. And there's a new addition on the Cal roster that I think makes it kind of interesting. That is former TCU quarterback Cam Jackson, who uh, announced that he was transferring to TCU over the offseason. Uh, I'm sorry, announced he'd be transferring to Cal. Got to slow myself down here. But Cal adds, uh, you know, a big-name quarterback, and I think that uh, Jack Palmer was a quarterback that, that didn't do a whole lot. I feel like he wasn't super impressive, but at the same time, you got to look at what he was working with. One of the weaker offenses in the Pac-12, and uh, he just lost his best receiver, J. Michael Sturdivant, transferring from Cal to UCLA uh, this offseason. So I don't think Cal's going to be too dangerous, although I think that adding a really, ta- a really talented quarterback should give them a good chance to maybe be competitive at the very least. And then we'll see if they get into the Jaden Rashada uh, recruitment, the uh, big-time Bay Area quarterback out of the 2023 recruiting class, officially uh, requested a release from his national letter of intent with the Florida Gators and now is entering the recruiting process once again. And I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. Cal was one of his finalists. Washington was also one of his finalists. So we'll have to keep an eye and see if they get either of those schools get involved. Games to talk about. Three more games. This next one is the biggest game that everybody, I think, has circled on their schedule. November 11th at home, Lincoln Riley and the USC Trojans travel north to Eugene, to Autzen Stadium to face Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks. And this has all the storylines already that you could really ask for. You have Dan Lanning and Lincoln Riley, defense versus offense. You have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams coming to you. Oregon and USC has been one of the best rivalries that the Pac-12 has had to offer from its inception. And, um, I mean, let's not, let's not uh, you know, sugarcoat it. This is the last time Oregon and UC at USC are going to play before USC heads to the Big Ten in 2024. So uh, how great would it be if you're looking at it from an Oregon standpoint, from a fan standpoint, to hand USC a loss in Autzen Stadium and bid them farewell to the Big Ten? Uh, that would obviously be a great, great deal for Oregon. But they're going to have their hands full with that offense, absolutely. I think that they're going to be able to put up a lot of points with Bo Nix returning and uh, all the running backs that they have back, the tight ends, the wide receivers. I think Oregon can definitely keep pace with USC. But the better defense is probably going to end up winning that game. And we know that USC's defense was their Achilles heel all throughout 2022. So 
that should be a high-scoring affair. Again, a game that Oregon can definitely win, but it's not going to be easy when you go after a guy like Caleb Williams. But fortunately for Oregon, they're going to be tested throughout the year, right? You're going to already have faced Shador Sanders. You're already going to have faced Mike Penix, Cam Rising, Cam Ward, all before you face Caleb Williams. So you're going to be facing some really talented quarterbacks before you face the most talented one on your schedule in Caleb Williams. So that's going to be an exciting game. That's one that I'm sure Dan Lanning has circled on his schedule and that the entire Oregon program is super excited for. Talked about a lot on the line with USC heading to the Big Ten. How great would it be for Oregon to send them on their way with a loss? Two more games. November 18th, the Ducks head to Tempe to face the Arizona State Sun Devils, who are now led by former Oregon offensive coordinator Danny Dillingham. And this is a this has been a kind of an interesting program to watch, kind of you know zoomed out, right? On a Twitter, um, I've been following obviously a lot of Pac-12 recruiting, and Arizona State is one of those schools that has really been active in the transfer portal and in the 2023 rankings. I'm actually going to go ahead and look up their 2023 class. Arizona 2023 class, uh, you have 15 recruits that have signed their letters of intent, two hard commits, and 24 transfers from all over the place. I think that Kenny Dillingham is doing an awesome job just retooling the roster. I think that it's kind of a combination of getting your right guys. And you also just need to, I think in some instances, just get commits, right? Just get some momentum on the recruiting trail because Arizona State had such a rough year. And we're still waiting to see what the results are going to be from the ongoing NCAA investigation. But the uh, the Sun Devils were able to add some big names, obviously an Oregon connection with former offensive lineman Graham Walden who is from Saguaro out in Scottsdale, Arizona, announcing a homecoming commitment to play for Kenny Dillingham and the Sun Devils. We have former USC safety, Xavier Alford, transferring to ASU. Uh, we have Troy Amire from uh, the University of Texas, a talented wide receiver, 6'3", 227 pounds. He's a guy I definitely remember hearing a lot about coming out of high school. He's a big name at wide receiver. That's a big weapon for Kenny Dillingham and the Arizona State Sun Devils. And we have to talk about the quarterback situation. Drew Pine comes over from Notre Dame, and uh, the Sun Devils do have Israel Carter out of Corona Centennial, a 2023 quarterback. Uh, he's committed, but he doesn't look like he has signed his national letter of intent. So we'll see what they do there uh, with the quarterback room. Uh, obviously, Drew Pine is a great addition. But I believe that Emory Jones has had already entered the transfer portal. I'm trying to fact check that real quick just while I'm on here. Uh, has he? Let's see. Those are all old tweets. Um, okay, yeah, Emory Jones transferred to Cincinnati over the offseason. So right now it looks like Drew Pine figures to be the starting quarterback as it stands, if we had to guess right now. But uh, going down to Tempe in November, road game. You know that Tempe, that uh, Arizona State has given Oregon some trouble in the past. has been a really good match between those two teams. Um, but I think Arizona State is going to be a program that definitely improves under Kenny Dillingham. But you got to see what the defense is going to look like because that's what's to help you really be successful in the Pac-12 with all the 
high octane, just high scoring offenses that this conference is going to feature in 2023. So talked about Washington State being a little bit of a trap game there on October 21st between Washington and Utah. But I think that Arizona State be another potential trap game. All right, looking at November 24th, right around Thanksgiving, this is a Friday game for Oregon. You know how this goes. Oregon closes out the regular season against the Oregon State, who won, uh, who beat the Ducks last year in 2022. And Jonathan Smith has that program absolutely humming. I know a lot of Oregon fans probably won't like to hear it, but just being a realist and you know being honest in our evaluations, Oregon State is a program that has been on the rise for the last couple of years and is definitely one of the more impressive teams in the Pac-12. They've had a really good offense, had some great running backs, and they've had solid defense as well what has been the thing a lot of people have been saying about Oregon State that's kind of a team that has just been a quarterback win and it looks like they have their quarterback and a former cleansing quarterback DJ Uyunglele older brother of Oregon freshman offensive freshman edge rusher defensive so we could see some brothers going at it in this annual rivalry game for Oregon DJ coming over from Clemson after some success, but uh, I think he ultimately did achieve I think, the level that he wanted to get and that Clemson wanted to get. Uh, so they uh, decided uh, look that DJ is in the portal, and uh, this is a great situation for him. I think that it was a fit that had been talked a lot, a lot about on social media before it happened, but DJ Uyunglele could be the, very well be the quarterback have been in desperate need of. Um, also, Golden Child is worth mentioning here. I've talked about him a couple times. Uh, he was a quarterback for Oregon went after back in the spring when they missed out on Jin Rashada and Nico Iomalava before they got John Moore out of Downey, California. Aiden Childs has uh, been one of the better quarterbacks in the 2023 class. He uh, was a late addition to the Adidas All-American Bowl, but he really shined among uh, – many of the country's best players when I saw him in San Antonio so he comes in in 2023 and you figure that he'll be kind of, you know, competing with DJ for that job. But I think it's probably safe to say that DJ is the projected starter right now. So that's a game Oregon gets at home. It's going to be a lot on the line, right? Bragging right in a rivalry. And Oregon definitely wants to bounce back in that game. And like we were talking about, maybe people are making too much of losing – both rivalry games and uh, you know your debut season as a head coach, but that's definitely a rough way to start things out. Uh, there's also you know a lot of smoke uh, his departure, and I think the wheels kind of fell off a little bit for Oregon again in a different way uh, compared to the 2021 season when Mario Cristobal uh, left for Miami. Okay, let's get a couple more of these comments or questions answered, and then uh, we're probably going to start winding down. I'm going to get back to Mikey G's comment here. Mikey G says, also, I'm wondering, Max, if during your time covering the Ducks, if there has ever been as much roster turnover as there has this year and still lots more ahead, number of players out versus players in. Yeah, no, Mikey, this is uh, this has definitely been the most roster turnover that I've ever seen in a single offseason during my time covering Oregon. I started covering Oregon back in 2018 from afar when I was a, a student at Gonzaga, started doing recruiting interviews on the phone. And then if you guys have followed my career path, you know, I moved to Eugene uh, to get my master's and spent two seasons there covering Oregon football and basketball before moving out to Long Beach. So to answer the question, you know, yeah, this has been the most 
roster churn, roster movement uh, that I have ever seen covering Oregon. And I think it's it's kind of two pronged. I feel like dual pronged, right? Is the way I was supposed to say it. As part of it, I think has to do with the timing of Dan Lenning's hire, right? He comes in late, late, late in the 2022 recruiting cycle. You know, the class had been falling apart after Mario Cristobal left to go to Miami. They lost almost every – I think they lost every commit from the state of Texas. You get Kamari Terrell in late. Um, but there was so much turnover. I think part of the reason that we're seeing roster turnover now is because, just putting it plainly to a degree, Dan Lanning and a lot of the guys on the staff did recruit a lot of these players that are transferring. Most of the 2021 class is gone. Uh, and then you also just have the other, you know, piece of the puzzle is that, you know, you kind of have to have that conversation. Do you fit our scheme and what we want to do as a team? Uh, obviously, some people have changes from staff to staff. Uh, I think that there's probably going to be some – It's for Oregon, there's going to be some good continuity on defense uh, from a schematic standpoint, right, with Tosh LePoy and Dan Lanning uh, in year two. And I think that the Will Stein hire is one that gives them some good flexibility and ability to keep some consistency from what Kenny Dillingham did. So I think part of it has to be just, you know, they, they didn't recruit those guys. Those aren't their players. That's kind of a, a grim reality of college football is coaches don't have any, uh, you know, allegiance or, or you know, tie to guys that they didn't recruit. Uh, but now they're getting more of their guys in with this 2023 recruiting class. And then I think also the players coming in <clears throat> from the transfer portal and the recruiting ranks is you got to, you got to bolster your team and fill in some of those deficiencies for guys that leave. And uh, you, know, you got to get some big additions to kind of balance your roster out. So it's also just a reality of today's college football, right? Between the transfer portal, between name, image, and likeness, and all of that stuff that's going on, uh, you know, teams can really, really just change a whole lot. I kind of think this is a little bit similar to what Jed Fish do to take a look at a Pac-12 team at Arizona. He got that job and dramatically changed that roster. I want to say about a third of the team was uh, was overturned uh, between the end of the 2021 season and the start of the 2022 season. So that's a school that's definitely been interesting to follow. So. Yeah, it's been a crazy offseason uh, with some recent uh, recent guys entering the portal. We also saw Cam McCormick follow Mario Cristobal to Miami. And that's another recent transfer portal move with uh, Isaiah Crocker entering the transfer portal um, you know, and, and announcing that today. So it's been a crazy time just to, to follow all that. See me on the big screen is here in the chat in the live stream. What's going on? Thanks for being here. Frequent listener of the show viewer of the show, and then Christopher says, we desperately need to beat the rivals this year. I can't take losses to the Beavers and the and the, and the, the Fuskies this year. Um, yeah, I know a lot of Oregon fans want to get things back on track when it comes to rivalry games, and uh, they're, they're pretty spaced apart this year, which I think does benefit, uh, benefit you. You want to have that bye before Washington. I think that that is one of the benefits of Oregon's bye week this year. And then um, that game against Oregon State coming at the end of the year—that's that's nothing new. But you're going to have you're going to have a different type of quarterback to prepare for this year with DJ. So I think that definitely both of those rivalry games should be really fun ones to watch. Uh, maybe I'll make my way out to Seattle to cover that game in October. That'd be a lot of fun. 
Uh, and then you also have Oregon State coming out to Eugene. So should be a fun one. Well, I think that's going to do it on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in wherever you guys are tuned in from. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk some Duck football with me. Before you guys get out of here, before we wrap things up, do me a favor, just a reminder, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel here on YouTube, Oregon Football Max Taurus. And then go ahead and share the Ducks Dish Podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. That's how you can help support the show and help grow our community of Oregon football here on YouTube. That'll do it for me. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.